Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram and Eric Mathy. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Simon. And hello, Eric. Simon, how are you? Very well. And it's just the three of us uh, because we're going to sort of round off the year. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a shorter podcast. We're just going to catch up, uh, talk about things we've been up to lately, and also talk a little bit about the direction of the show, uh, where it's going, and so on and so on. But uh, before we start that, I just want to say thanks to Nick Brandreth uh, for being our guest uh, on the last podcast. And I, I think he's drawn breath uh, <laughs> since, uh, since then. So, uh, so Nick, it was a pleasure to have you on. And um, yeah, it was great. So uh, let's now head over to the Fens and see what Andrew's been up to. Oh, right. Well, um, what have I been up to? I've got a new camera, a new handheld Chroma snapshot camera. So that's fun. And I've been thinking about how to use it except i haven't got it at the moment the only bit of it i've currently got is the lens mount uh because it's gone back in the post <laughs> to steve because it just needs a little bit of adjustment on the springs that hold the um, ground glass in place so really ingenious design he has these fiberglass i call them springs they're like strips really okay. but they keep pressure on the on the little pins that hold the the glass in place and you can lift these springs off really easily and take the take the, take the um, glass away and then you can fit um something like a graphmatic back to it um you know one of these graphmatics that takes six sheets so basically anything with that graph lock back mm -hmm. you can fit on the back and that fitted really well but the spring pressure was a bit on the loose side um, and so it's gone back to be tarted up by Steve, and I'll probably get that back after Christmas. And you couldn't just like do a little extra shim in there and <sighs> tighten it up. No, not really. No, you have to see the design to see. Okay. I think you might have to put some new new strips in or something. Anyway, it's no big deal. It's gone back, and he'll sort that out. And so then, uh, I was going to say that. Oh, actually, I think you were just about to say it because I was going to say that uh, graphmatic back that's come to you via Ren Bennells, hasn't it? I yeah, believe that's what ben, he calls himself. Ren or Ben sent me that, and I got—I've been hearing about these things for a long time, and I've never—I look at them occasionally on eBay. And so Ben said, "Well, I'll send you one. Play with it and see. And if you like it, you know, we'll work something out." So I got it. And I start, and because I don't look at any, well, there's no instructions, so I'm starting, I'm randomly pulling at things and it's making noises, you know. <laughs> and then I get it stuck in the open place and I thought, shit. Yeah, that's what it does. <laughs> so I go on YouTube and um, Craig Sheeks, who is a YouTuber, large format YouTuber, he had a video of uh, basically how to operate it. And Craig explains things really well. I think he's a teacher, photography teacher. And so I followed his instructions and got the got it working, and now I understand it completely. And it's a really clever design. A couple of folks on the Facebook group have said they're prone to leaks and stuff like that. I have no idea. Uh, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to load it up and try it out with some portraits. So I won't wait for, I won't wait for the snapshot to come back. I'll try it out with some portraits, and I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll use the six-sheet graphmatic and the, um, the what's it, the Elmeron... Um, projector lens, the lights. 
The 200 is very pretty. Yeah, so I think if I can use that, that's f3.6 if I do it on a gloomy day. Because you did portraits with your father on this, didn't you? And Yes. You, did, you just used your bowler hat, didn't you? Or you know? uh, No, that was with my MPP. Um, oh, you had a chapter. But I reckon, yeah. I reckon 100 ASA on a cloudy day, which would be like 5.6. So Yeah. I, I reckon I'd get away hand just whizzing a card or something over this. Wide well, on, on a cloudy day. Yeah, well, I find also you could shoot RC paper. I could right? do that. And just like thousand one, boop, done. Well, I'm looking at a way of killing two birds with one stone. So I want to try out the portrait lens. My daughter's home from university, and I've got an idea of taking her out into the out into the fens and finding one of these roads that just disappears. We've got these flat roads. They disappear into the distance. And I've done some shots of her before with a guitar, like Johnny Cash with it strung over her back, walking down. Mm. And so I'm going to position her in this road and make sure there's no lorries coming and get my large format camera in the middle of the road. These are fen roads, so they're quite quiet. Right. And I'm going to just get her with a mask on in the middle of this flat, wild landscape, standing there, you know, with this road going back with the portrait lens and I'll get to test out the graphmatic film holder as well. I described what I was going to do with her uh, the other day and she just looks at me, you know, and gives me a look. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You fool of a father. So I'm yeah, going to be yeah. doing that, but I, I want, I, I really want to, I don't like to have a camera and not really have any clue what to do with it. So I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pair it with, well, I know I'm going to pair it with a, that little Diddy Schneider, Angulon lens that just about covers four by five if you don't want too many movements. Uh, 90 millimeter f 6.8. It's the one that Steve Lloyd uses on his, so I know it works. And yeah, um, that, that's, the, that's the super common uh, little little 90 millimeter that's like came with a lot of graphs. Like, it's, it's a tiny, yes, I think so. press tiny yeah. you can leave it on a lot of these cameras mm -hmm. that fold up. Yeah, I used and it on right. the treble one. Well, right. Well, so the guy I'm buying it from, in fact, I bought I bought one. It came and it was broken, so it went back. So I was chatting with a guy on eBay, a, Brit a British seller, and he had it listed, and it was mounted on a on a printed or plastic cone, you know, like the sort of thing you'd put on a some kind of homemade camera. And I think it was from a homemade camera. So he's um, he's packaged it up to send, but he says he's going to wait till after Christmas because the post is just kind of rubbish at the moment. Doesn't want it to get lost. So I'm going to. The, the beauty of having that lens is that the spacer bars on this camera, so the way the snapshot works, you have to tell um, Steve what kind of lens you're using. And then if you go on to um, Graham Young, is it Graham Young? Yeah, Graham Young's website. He's got all this list of lenses, common lenses, and different measurements, including the flange focal distance. So that kind of distance from the back of the flange of the lens to the film plane-ish, I guess. And you take that measurement for your lens and deduct 50 millimeters. And that then tells um, Steve how big a spacer bar you need to set the lens away from the front of the film. It's easier to show on, on video than it is to describe. But basically, if you have a wide-angle lens, like a 90, as opposed to my 150, you need much shorter spacer bars. So I need 35-millimeter spacer bars. 35-millimeter spacer bars, that teeny-weeny angulon lens. Then I've got a super lightweight handheld 4x5 camera. Um, I've got a 10-pound, which I think is far too expensive, 
cheap Chinese bloody rangefinder, not rangefinder, a viewfinder, mm-hmm. which is a piece of crap, quite frankly. And I think £10 is a cheek for it. But it came from China and it kind of works if you do that. So that's that's that. And that's and I'm not gonna I'm not interested in any other lens. I've tried my Schneider 150 on it. And of course the the camera then becomes a big beast really to handhold and and that lens is quite heavy. So backpacking in the Lake District in the summer, I wish I had a four by five camera with me, you know, so it can go so the snapshot can travel with me. And I also want to use it. I think I was thinking today, walking around our village and a lot of folks I know just walking around and I'll stop them and say, Hey, can I take a picture with this camera? So I'm going to make a series of portraits of villages as well. And I think that's the ideal camera for that. So pairing up with that super light Diddy lens, which will just cover four by five, maybe a tinge of movement, but not much, but I'm not bothered because I'm just going to be using it, you know, without movements really. I'm not really that interested in movements. And um, short spacer bars, so it's super portable, super light. And I'm really excited to get it back and get the lens and get them paired up. And then if I pair it up, as someone's desperate to come in on a, if I pair it up with this Graphmatic back, if it works properly, it was a bit stiff. So I, um, some of the little holders were a bit bent. So I straightened those up and I've got it going quite well now. Well, just just on the there's a, there's an interesting photograph in our, our group uh, by Baz WF. Um, it was posted yesterday, and uh, what's what's interesting that the, is the is uh, the fact that not only is it shot with the uh, sorry made uh, with the the light the lights lens uh, the two hundred three point six, um, it was shot on a speed graphic, um, but I'm just looking at the actual image itself, and there's like a little cutaway on the left-hand side of the image. And that tells me it was also shot with a Graphmatic uh, because it has this little area that exposes differently. And I think that you, sometimes oh, yeah. it works out, you put, it puts a number into, yeah. into the image. It puts a well. number. I, I think this one that I've got doesn't do that because looking at the one that Craig had in his video, it had like a little thing with the numbers and then the, the daylight shines through and you can tell, but I'm not sure this one has it. But yeah, in theory, these things... You can tell the number gets printed on a bit like a, a digital back mm-hmm. <laughs> or a digital camera. But but looking at um, at Baz's photo, it's uh, what and I've seen this with the with the one photograph I've I've taken and with other photos because ultimately this is a it's a projection lens. It's, it was never meant to uh, take stills images, so therefore it's not optimized. For taking stills images and and you look at it and that and actually i'm not entirely sure if there's a problem with uh, the the back um on the um on the on this graphmatic because the edges are a little bit more blurred than i would expect but there also appears to be a certain amount of um uh, field curvature uh, in the shot which i, I, I really? think is probably less to do with the uh, the, the graphmatic there more to do with the the, the lens that's used uh, because it's effectively been used back to front um as well but more to the point though what i what draws me to this is that you can actually see that this has not been taken with a conventional film camera lens um it's not it's not particularly well corrected yet what it does do it 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 does a great job of isolating the uh, the the, the, pers- the main person of this, and there's a house behind, and uh, and the way that the the focus shifts from you know the person that is 
beautifully in focus and the, and there's tons of contrast in this and there's a couple of like little twigs and things that are um, framing uh, the image at the top uh, which are on the same focal plane um, but the way that it actually graduates into the outer focus area it's it, there's all there is a curvature to it uh, as an organic way of it, it, it doing that and I think it just draws your eye to the center and um, that's what make that's why I particularly like these mm. these non-standard um, not designed for purpose uh, lenses such as that lights lens who am i looking for on in the group uh baz wf that's b a z or z for our american listeners um, b-a-z <laughs> wf okay yeah, WF, yeah. And, oh uh, i've got it yeah well look what drew me to pinhole is exactly what's beginning to draw me to these sort of odd lenses is oh, i'm not really interested in perfection i'm looking you, you're just looking for something that's gonna it's got a different look to it and something that isn't sharp all over, which yeah. is why I love my Holger because it's pin sharp in the middle and not elsewhere. You know, it's why I love pinhole because that's just kind of not sharp anywhere at all. Right. Um, and it's just lovely to have these different tools to go to, and you know, old lenses or projector lenses give you that kind of option, don't they? Old old lenses <laughs> that Eric makes. Old lenses <laughs> that Eric makes. Yeah, but I'm not skillful enough to do that because you have to you have to do maths and things, don't you? Very basic math. Or I mean, some people don't even do math. They just like throw things together and you know yeah. see what it see what it does. Yeah. Or you can be Jason Lane and like have massive spreadsheets and calculators and software. I see that. Yeah, he's got frame number one on that. So he was using a graphmatic back, wasn't he? And the American flag in the background, which I love because I love the American flag in pictures. I think it's just very iconic and sends all sorts of messages depending on who the audience is. It's a bit like that conversation we had with uh, Wayne, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, that's one way to put it. it it's definitely... Well, that might have been a conversation elicits, we had off air, actually. Yeah, it elicits responses, that's for sure. The yeah, flag. And, it's, and not always the ones that he intends, but that's part mm -hmm. of the fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just one, one more thing um, with the, the graphmatic back, um, um, mm -hmm. Andrew, is, yep. um, I mean, I, I used a graphmatic back relatively recently, and before right. I used it, um, I, I just decided to try and learn how to use it quickly. And, you know, I pretend, you know, if I was a press photographer, how would a press photographer with, some, with lots of things going on use it? And, yeah. uh, and I, I found it to be really useful. Uh, because you, you start to build a level of muscle memory uh, that was yes. going to, because it's very easy if you don't use it very often or you're thinking now what did how not, did they do that I, on the video do I, do that? Do I press that now or just pull it you know? I, I've now forgotten I would have to go through the whole thing again to, to yeah. memorize how to do it because it's very easy to really mess up it is, so yeah. you know try and try and get it to off you know get muscle memory going in there so you can just do it without thinking if you have to think about it chances are you're going to get it wrong <laughs> yeah yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Yeah, really you just like slam it in there, and all of a sudden, like the film was folded, and like. Thanks. Well, that's exactly what I did when I got it. I just started pulling things, and then it kind of just was in a big stuck mess. I thought I'd broken it, to be honest, <laughs> but I hadn't. It was fine. I thought, how difficult can it be? And I thought, actually, yeah, it is quite difficult. <laughs> Those are famous last words. Every time. Every time. And then I read some written instructions on how to operate it, and I was even more confused. So I'm so glad I found Craig's uh, tutorial. It was very, uh, very calmly described and i could stop it and you can just practice can't you as you go along so that's the that's the beauty of youtube so yeah so i've been thinking new camera new project uh new toys um keen to try out the 
projector lens keen to try the snapshot when it comes back and when i eventually get that lens i want to use with it all uh, all good and then i'm enlarging the darkroom that's the job for as i enter a period of semi-retirement next year i'm making the enlarger <laughs> did, did, have i mentioned that I, I make the enlarger enlarger i make the darkroom bigger so i'm you, not, I'm adding, knocking like, back a wall i'm knocking back a wall want? about two meters back what are you adding well, I'm going to make more space so I can do workshops, and then I can get my. The other thing I was gifted recently was that uh, Jobo CPE dude too. So I'm going to keep that. At the moment, I'm, I keep moving it backwards and forwards into the utility room, and I've just developed my first roll of color film in it, and I was so impressed with it. I have dude, to say that thing is ridiculous. As, and as I've got a, a drum score, print drum up there. Yeah, dude, as a score, that thing is a ridiculous score. That's. They're really, really expensive to buy, and they're really, really nice. And I've got a – well, I've been impressed so far with it. And I'll tell you what I've also been impressed with is the, the Jobo reels. So I've used Patterson reels pretty much all my ph photographic life and stainless steel Hughes reels. And the stainless steel I love, but, you know, they can be tricky. Mm -hmm. but, and I'd, I'd never had any experience with the Jobo tanks until I got uh, this device. And so I've got – it came with a 1500 – series jobo tank for folks who know about these things and basically that takes the 35 and 120 reels but the the tank systems are expandable so i've got on order something called a 1530 extender so you just take these things just come apart and you and it makes it longer and mm -hmm. and because you're using you know the, the the continuous agitation round round back and every it turns direction every three minutes I, i'm not going to have any fears about putting multiple reels in that Whereas it, I, I get a bit worried if I'm inverting a Patson tank and I've got like six reels in it, it becomes very unwieldy, you know? And, yeah. and, and yeah. also, um, I know Jeff Perry makes uh, his insert to fit that 1500 series tank to take 4x5 as well. I, I don't really want to use it for that, to be honest, but I might use it for 4x5 color if I ever get into that because it's just Ooh. this Jobo system. Lens. Or 4x5 chrome. If you can, well, no, because color, because I want to start color printing. You see, that's my next project. Now I've got this Jobo thing. I've been researching RA four printing, and it doesn't. How hard can it be? You know, it doesn't. Look, I've, been, I've tried to get my head around the the color triangle. You know, and, which, you, and all that nonsense. You know, how, how do you develop RA four paper at home? In that's RA four chemicals, I have to get a kit well, from Technol or Analog Wonderland or somewhere. Because what I'm used to. Um, and there's there's only maybe there's probably less than six of these machines still in existence, but in in college at RIT, you know, digital didn't exist yet. Um, we had a huge color paper processor in the color darkroom that could take like. You just put your paper in at one end, and there's all these rollers that takes you through the yep. different systems, and it pops yep. out the other end. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I've worked with one of those years ago. Um, and they're, 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 it was, it's massive. I was yeah. recently talking to one of my one of my old professors, Dan Barkin. And he still teaches traditional color printing, and that machine is still there. And he thinks it's the only one east of the Mississippi still running in a college. Um, it's still sort of like the parts are super rare. You have to scavenge them from ones that are no longer in use. And here in San Francisco, in a place called Reiko, which sadly closed down a couple of years ago, Reiko had the only one of those machines west of the mississippi in an open photo space like they're just so rare and they have to be run constantly 
Like they, they need to be run as with all automated color processing machines. Like they need to be run constantly. Otherwise, you know, the everything starts to fall apart internally and the chemicals go bad and it just, everything goes to crap. Um, so you can't never leave them idle. Um, but they're, the commercial machines to do what you're talking about are just getting so, so rare. And it's sad because like you could print poster size prints on these things. I mean, they're huge. Um, and really cool. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that you can I, I never thought about doing it at home basically because I'm just no I've never color is just the big massive machine. Well, Fuji yeah. make the paper. Fuji make this crystal paper. Oh yeah, stuff it, is doesn't, it doesn't seem too expensive. It was like a box of 100 eight by ten for thirty or forty quid or something. And um, <laughs> pound of your English pound <laughs> note. <laughs> you guys had the best words. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you've thrown me now. And, uh, so I need to get the RA4 chemicals. But there's loads of, again, YouTube tutorials, you know. Are they still um, making that paper actively? That RA4 know. paper? Well, it seems to be readily available. You know what Fuji is yeah. like? It, I was surprised to see it still available because Fuji are just, you know. Yeah, they're really weird. There's no market for it. It'll go, won't it? The drop of a hat. Like they'll, yeah. they'll make it for as long as, essentially, it feels like they'll make it for as long as the machines that produce it can be kept running without falling apart, right? So once it falls below a certain volume, like mm. I said, then the machines start to fall apart. Yeah, kept maybe, up, there's and then, a, maybe there's still enough commercial use for it to keep yeah. it viable. I don't know. So I don't know, folks out there who do color printing, what my options are for paper these days. People listening, there must be some of you who do color uh, color work in darkroom so I, i'm very new to this i don't know anything about it really right it's just, i saw someone using the fuji paper do you know simon color paper no 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 it's it seems Rayco. like sorry gone yeah no, no i was gonna say looking at like freestyle or the other ones the only papers i see are fuji color crystal yeah i think so Rayco, did they i've got a, a little book somewhere in the cupboard with all darkroom formulary in it and I'm sure that's Rayco. Did they used to do all that stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they, they... So it was a... Um, Name that's familiar to me from the... Oh, park. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a photo space, a massive photo space, formerly massive photo space that had everything from community printing darkroom to a massive like uh, portrait studio to a digital lab upstairs where you could rent workstations with a flatbed to drum scanners, a huge digital printer... A color darkroom again with the RA4 paper processor, two, at least two, maybe three um, traditional print spaces with like UV light tables and that sort of stuff. Um, one, two darkrooms that had uh, massive printers that could do eight by ten or larger negatives, and uh, you could project onto the wall and essentially do um, just you know, huge, huge, huge poster prints. Um, mm -hmm. They had uh, my favorite place I lived in that room was a sheet film development room. That was just nothing. You could close the door and do nothing but sheet film in there. Um, and a gallery. That's where Ann Jastrub, who I wouldn't mind having coming on, was the gallery director there for years. Um, and also the front half was just a gallery. That was massive. A space, a space like that, they must exist still where you can just go and hang out. I'm sure they do in America. I've seen places uh -huh. where you can just go and hang out. You can buy film. You can chat. You can drink coffee. You can maybe do a bit of darkroom work. No. There no. must be a gap in the market for it. 
Yeah, it was interesting, you know, like Rayco went under and um, there really isn't a space like that in the Bay Area anymore. I mean, EBCO, which is the East Bay Photo Cooperative, which is a, a little nonprofit group that I'm a founding member of, like, or trying to do fundraising and whatnot in order to rent and build a, a community space like that to replace um, and fill the vacuum that Rayco is left behind. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, real estate, it's, it's not cheap to mm. do um at all like there there's there's been nothing to replace that in the san francisco bay area sadly um which is unfortunate because you could walk in there and get access just walking in to not only an incredible variety of, of facilities but also people you know like like working photographers of of some renown who are just in there printing and doing things and hanging out or shooting and so the folks you could cross paths with just walking into Rayco was, was like a who's who of Bay Area and American photographic talent. It was uh, really are, are those folks still held together, bound together by the internet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them have gravitated to EBCO. Some of them are still active through like the Rayco uh, Facebook group. Okay. And Jastrub is like a hub of that. So her moving to the Carmel Photography, the CPA, uh, AKA the house that Weston built, a lot of them have gravitated to her events, but it's, that's a little bit further south. It's like an hour and a half drive from San Francisco. So it's a, you have to be a little, a little bit more dedicated. Um, so, yeah. And a lot of the galleries in San Francisco have closed down too. Unfortunately, there was uh, one building and one floor that had like three or four different photo galleries. So on any given Friday night, you could go just to this one building and go to like three gap, three photo gallery openings on one floor. It was like this little little nook of really high end uh, photography galleries. And those are all gone, sadly. Um, But you could see on any given, on any given like Friday night, everything from like Weston's and, um, Ansel Adams and Imogene Cunningham, like original genuine prints to like Carol, I think your name's Carol Bernstein, um, who's actually somebody we should have on the show. But I, th- I don't think she's, she's mostly medium format. Um, uh, all sorts of people. So it was, it was a really fun and now I think sadly gone scene in San Francisco. Well, in Stoke-on-Trent, in Stoke-on-Trent in England, you have the Six Times Darkroom. <laughs> We do, and it's it's you know it is just like that place that Eric was saying, just like it. Just yeah, not it's sunny, <laughs> any time <yeah>. ever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mind you, it's cold. San Francisco is cold. It's the only place in when I was in the states I had to put my jumper on. <laughs> freezing. For the American uh, listeners, what is a jumper? A sweater. <laughs> okay, just checking. All over. Because to, to what comes to mind to me is like some sort of warm fuzzy onesie and so or something you put a, a baby in so i just that's wanted to jump, make that's a jumpsuit <laughs> right so okay a sweater okay what you, is that, you, you call them sweaters do you sometimes we, we call them sweaters i guess because we're kind of influenced by american programs now yeah we, we try and resist we're, yeah, we're yeah. Like, i'm we're, i'm a member of the jumper resistance organization <laughs> the, the jro fight against the infiltration of american jargon in in woolen knitwear <laughs> in jumper wear <laughs> um yeah so the six times darkroom simon 
you could make is that i've not been so i don't know is it a uh, is it in its own little building what t- tell us about the six times dark room and what your what your hope and aspirations are for it well it's it's a it's a it's a sh- it's a shared use uh, building and, and say shared um it's shared between effectively the the dark room people and the digital people um and uh yeah, we 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 tend we tend to use different sides of the street and, and different and sides not of the, and not talk to them. And uh, I think that the, the, that said that there are two people in our darkroom uh, group that would uh, that do have things to do with the digital group. Um, but you know, we, but the, the, the it's like like a lot of things. It just doesn't. It, nothing's actually happening there at the moment because of all the uh, the the COVID restrictions and things like that. But when it when it does, um, it's it's just a you know, we call it a darkroom club. It's not really it's not a community darkroom because that that implies um, you know somebody being there in a, in a more commercial basis. Um, it's not a commercial basis at all. Um, so it's a case of we just invite people and like people that want to do things in a traditional darkroom. And you know we've got three or four enlargers, one of which is will do seven by five. Uh, thank you, Stephen Segersby. Um, and um, yeah, we've got loads of chemicals which we chip in every week, um, and we've got lots of old paper, which is always good because that means that you, know, you can just try stuff out, and it just does not matter uh, when you make a mistake. Which is in my case, almost every single print I've ever made has been a mistake. Um, but yeah, you know, it's good to be able to to fail. You know, because you know, you're spending good money on good stuff, um, then you, you're going to be a little bit more resistant. But at some point, you have to move away from the using the expired rubbish stuff and actually use proper uh, paper and such. And um, I haven't actually made that leap yet. Um, but at some point, when I feel I've reached a level of competency, then I'll do that. But the problem is, I haven't done anything there now for probably close to t- t- 10 weeks, three months. Uh, since I've actually done anything in there. So I've pretty much forgotten what little I already knew, uh, which is a real shame, really. Yeah, because it opened up after lockdown one, didn't it, over here for a time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've had, uh, we actually had a, a Zoom meeting um, only last week, uh, just, just as a bit of a you know, touch base. Uh, between uh, between a few of us, uh, which 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 was nice, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's just not the same. But you can just get around a table, uh, eat a selection of biscuits, uh, which is the main reason why we cookies. Why we go. Cookies. No, no biscuits. Biscuits. Yeah, I know. I'm just pro American. <laughs> no, no, I, I know. I'm I'm just not I'm just not going along with that. Yeah, just, just just gra- put gravy over them. Can you imagine it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, co- well cookies are, uh, are, are meant to be i've got i'm not anti-cookie by any stretch of the imagination you know um they they should be chewy in the center and a bit crispy around the edges um am i correct in that eric i mean here a cookie can be crisp all the way through or chewy in the center crisp around the edges i mean a cookie is an all-encompassing oh dear so he's wrong thing. okay okay you're describing yeah, a brownie yeah. aren't you yeah yeah well, well it's sort of chewy on the a brownie on. depends on the no thickness jokes. and squareness yeah. Okay. <laughs> no jokes. Right. You know, well, one of the things, uh, Simon, that we've done with EBCO to sort of maintain community is, um, you know, like a monthly work show, right? Where there's a, 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 or sometimes every other week, depending on the, on the, on the volume, but, you know, where you might have a different photographer or moderator come on and say, Hey, I want to do like to do a work review. I'll take five photographers. We'll get on a zoom meeting. Anybody, everybody can come in and one by one, the photographers go through and show work, recent work or old work. 
on a particular topic. You know, it could be portraits, it could be new projects, it could be whatever, landscapes. Um, and then there's a different moderator every time who typically has some level of expertise with that or just the willingness to, to host and play MC. Um, and then, you know, you might get anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 people who aren't showing, who are just coming on to look at work, see the presentation and then give feedback to the photographer on the work that they're doing. Uh, and it's been like, that sort of thing has been really fun and really viable way to keep like that, that photographic community together. Um, it's not as much fun as getting around a table and like throwing prints down and having people like look around and pick them up and like drink together, of course, and eat snacks and, and like manhandle people's prints, but it's been useful and it's been fun. And it's, it's kept the community going in some ways. It's actually expanded those work reviews because geographically not everybody could go to someone's house in Berkeley to look at work around the table, but they can pop on zoom and, and kind of go through it that way. Um, so uh, it could I be think, argued that it's expanded the community a little bit. I think a coming together, if, you're a, if you make prints either in the darkroom or on an inkjet printer or whatever, the ability to come together around a table with some beer and coffee or snacks and just be really open with each other about your prints, you know, in a, in a super positive, critical way, you know, not right. because there's going to be people at all sorts of levels, aren't there? And, the fact that you've actually managed to make a print in the first place is a huge deal, yeah. you know? Right. A huge deal. And that's to be really commended, but to be able to feed off each other's work, you know, I haven't really, you know, I used to be in the camera club scene years ago and I hated it really. Looking back on it, I realized how much I hated it because it was all very sort of adversarial and competitions. And, you know, there was none of that sort of, it, was, it wasn't a very relaxed atmosphere, but to be able to set up, you know, to live in a city, I guess you need to live in a city, really. It's no point where I live because it's only me, you know. Um, you know, to be at a meet-up and have print discussions or something somewhere, you know, that would be a fabulous yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Particularly I mean, if you had a darkroom space on the same site. Yep, absolutely. Because that's what those groups, you know, Ansel Adams and Image and Cummingham and, and the Westerns, they'd all get together, wouldn't they, and, you know, and look at prints and talk about each other's work and stuff like that. Yeah. Ansel would tinkle the ivories on his piano. Mm -hmm. I think the original the original F64 house is in Oakland. I can't remember the address, but you can still meander by there and see it. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Okay. <laughs> I was, was going to say, we're, we're now halfway through this, this show. Um, well, I blame Eric. He just yeah. Said, yeah. What did I do? I've been relatively quiet. Yeah. I'm just nodding my head. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, is that well, all it takes? I, I think for the first thing I actually want to say is to do do shout outs uh, for my shout outs for this week because I will forget otherwise and, I, and they've just come into my head. Um, and it, I want to direct people to Sunny 16 Presents, uh, which is a spin off of the Sunny 16 podcast, uh, where it's uh, largely uh, listener generated content and uh, and if you're the more specialist um, photography related uh, things on there and there's the one that went out on the 15th of November um, which is part of the on location um, uh, I don't know what it is, uh, name of the, uh, the, the the type of podcast it is. And it's entitled Caffeinol with Christian Strauss and Jonathan Becker. 
and um, and it's a forty five minute listen, and uh, and it's if if anybody's got any interest in Caffinol, and I've I've been longing to do Caffinol now since we had uh, Wayne Setzer uh, on the show, and right. um, I still haven't done it. But you'd listen listen to that podcast uh, because they they go through um, the, his, the history of it. Um, and then the use of it, and then they do a, a frequently asked questions uh, section at the end of it, and they cover a huge area, and they do it really well. And there's there are some aspects of using caffeinol which are really exciting to me, it's especially the uh, the the kind that um, I can't remember if you. Is it just me who's lost, Simon? No, no, he 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 turned voice of Sauron. He turned into a Dalek, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. All I got good now is his eye of Sauron looking at yeah. me. Yeah, good, good reference, by the way. I like the Dalek reference. He's oh, gone there. He's yeah. gone. He's gone. I don't know whether that means the show just collapses in a heap. Now we've lost the host. That's true because he was recording. Is he still recording? How does that work? I, I'm assuming he was. Recording. Well, no, that's a good question. It does say it's recording up there. It's recording. Uh, it still said it was still recording. Of, yeah, cool. Am am I back? You are. Are you? Ah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, so where 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 was I up to? Um, seven minutes. Um, so you were talking about caffeinol and yeah, yeah. In seven minutes. What what appealed to you or something? Yeah. Like so there was yeah. there's there's one particular formulation of this caffeinol where almost every kind of film you can think about takes about seven minutes to develop. Um, really. Yeah, and which obviously therefore leads itself to the ability to to use different kinds of film in the same development tank, um, which I fi- I find that is is but, always a great but, thing. But well, like yes. is it just sort of generalist? Like it's it's okay. Well, you, for a bunch it, of them. Well, listen listen to the show because they run through a whole list of different films that work particularly well with caffeinol, and it seems okay. like the, uh, the the films with the high highest silver content. Uh, seem to right. work particularly well, and and th- films that sometimes need a, 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 a well, they do better with a proprietary uh, developer like uh, with the um, Fomodon, uh, Foma Plan films, um, the LQN and all that kind of stuff. Um, those seem to do particularly well in in Caffinol oh. as well. So, I mean, I, I, that always appeals to me anyway because if I, I I do sometimes mix and match my film and then take incredibly oh. bad records and then forget what on earth I've got in my dark slides forget which way i've actually turned the dark slides if i did it to do that the right way to do it the wrong way which is the right way to turn it with the black side out and the silver side out i just forget um and uh which which ultimately means i end up okay i need to stand develop this um because that's the only way i know that will develop everything into you know an hour um and everything more or less works well now i can do this with in seven minutes uh, with right. uh, and also develop you know on unexposed sheets uh, in exactly the same way. I'll give it a I'll give it a listen because I've played I do have stacks of old coffee and sodium carbonate and bromide and bits and pieces and vitamin C powder in the cupboard and I've played around with the same formula that Wayne uses which is caffeinol CL. All I've done is downloaded the caffeinol cookbook which is just a PDF thing you can download, and that's that's pretty useful. Uh, yeah. But Caffinol CL is one that's designed for stand or semi-stand, and yeah. I've had some uh, the I've had some good results, 
some that would just seem to be really dense and, uh, and I can't work it out. And then the last lot I did, <laughs> God knows what I did because everything came out blank. I mean, just blank. And so uh, I thought, and some, and I put some film in there that I was really precious about as well. And I thought it would be oh, fine. So and and I've just got, the, and I don't, I can't work out why, why it was just blank. It was almost like I hadn't exposed the sheets at all. And I thought, well, means, surely, surely I forget, have. Did you forget to add like something? I don't that know. Crazy? I don't know. An active developer. That's know. usually it. I, I don't think. know. I don't know. Yeah. My note taking is yeah. normally pretty good. Unlike Simon. I mean, I write everything down. Every, Every film I expose, I give a reference number, and I'm up to A1047. Damn. Which is, since I moved into this house, I started the A system. And I, I write that in, in a book, and then when I'm making a print from that negative, I reference it. And when I scan anything, I put that reference number on, you know, as a tag or something. And I, um, But also, I put once I've settled on a time that I like for a particular film and developer, I just punch it into that big developer app thing, you know, on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I know that ID11 one-to-one for uh, HP5 works for me at nine and a half minutes, whereas if you look at Ilford's recommended times, it's something like 13, for example. But I'm exactly. not saying that everybody should go out there and develop it to nine and a half minutes because it may not suit the way you work. Yeah. But yeah, keep notes, boys. Yeah, yeah. you passed me. But yeah, that <laughs> does sound like a... People are always on the search, aren't they, for the magic, <coughs> magic bullet? And that sounds caffeinol in many ways is is getting close to a magic bullet because it has that compensating effect. It's, well, it certainly does in a stand form, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll give that a listen, Simon. If it's yeah. particularly if it's only forty five minutes and I've got a bit more time on my hands now. Yeah, you do. I've got a load of those to listen to. I'm I'm way behind in all sorts of podcast listening. Yeah, well, well, well worth it. Um, I'll I'll be uh, pretty brief with the rest of the stuff because uh, we, we haven't even got to Eric yet. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we've got we've got two emails, and we were going to have a full discussion about the direction of the podcast, and we mm-hmm. we have twenty minutes now, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I get the feeling something's got to give. Um, mm-hmm. So um, uh, things that I've been up to, uh, I've been just making things. Um, and uh, in particular, things like lens boards, um, because I'm, I'm really excited um, to, well, the fact that I've now got a new camera, I've got a Carbon Adventure, so I can make new lens boards uh, for, for a new camera. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, for my orange, uh, my orange or K- KTM uh, or Tango Adventure. Um, the, the Orange Crush, the Creamsicle, we've got to get a better name. Yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's my sports camera anyway. Um, and uh, I've got a rath- my latest lens board that I've made is for a Rathen- Rathenoa, Rathenoa um, 62.5 slash 300, which is a 300 millimeter 4.8 uh, projection lens. I think nice. it's an old, old projection lens. Um, and uh, I had to build an extension into the um, lens board to, because yeah, there's... Wasn't it wider yeah. than the lens board? No, no, no. That, that's a bit. See, this is the thing. Yeah, because you, I mean, I've got a an air. Well, I've got three aerovectors, um, but um, the, 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 the issues with those because they they're fantastic things, but they're 
big and they're heavy and this is a lightweight camera um yeah and, and you can put one on there uh, but ultimately the the look that you get with an aerectile in many cases you can get with projection lenses as we've talked about many times and dave shrimpton does that now he's moved from using aerectile to using uh buell uh projection lenses and getting effectively the same kind of result but you there's no weight penalty there was they're much lighter um the only thing is you're stuck with the aperture that that, that you get unless you can come up with a clever way of uh, creating an aperture but uh, I, I do, I do like to, uh, to 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 use that one. So, uh, so I've I've made that lens board, and it's cool. And then the other thing that I've done, and I did talk about this on the podcast. Not sure if it was the last time or the time before, um, but I I picked up a Kodak Ektar seven and a half inch, four point five. Uh, large format lens, Ooh, uh, very nice. Which is a equivalent to about 190 mil, uh, 4.5. And more to the point, I've now successfully, successfully uh, adapted it to my uh, my Hasselblad 500. Um, it's got like a nose, like it's like Pinocchio. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's just it's it's. I say this with affection. Yes. It's dumb. It's so dumb. It is. It is. It's ludicrous. Um, it's like your forearm coming out of the house of blood and the fist in this giant round cap. This um, lens disc. It's awesome. Enjoy that. Oh, I'm not going to even say it. No, no, no yeah, yeah. Mind when Eric did that. Yeah, what was what it? Like a, a baby holding a tennis ball. I think. Um, that's, that's a nice uh, way to put it. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's it in one of the groups? Uh, somebody had um, I posted it in, across the entire internet, um, and somebody had um, it nearly broke the Hasselblad group, by the way. Um, and um, <laughs> actually, no, they were okay about it. I was, I was, I wasn't sure how they would react, but they they were they were okay with it. Um, and uh, somebody did a picture of uh, Ghostbusters um, and those um, those things about crossing the streams. Uh, so it, it looks like you could capture ghosts with it. So. Uh, but it works, um, and um, I, I will at least take one one shot with it, um, and, uh, and then retire it forever, maybe. So, uh, oh, yeah. But, so uh, but yeah. Got, so it seems to me that if you you know you're going to make all these things and do all these things, there's got to be a purpose to it. Or is making it the journey is that enough of a purpose for you? Oh, now then, now we're now we're in, we're in serious. We have 15 minutes. We. You know, he and I started this conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I. <laughs> it's a tough. I mean, at the moment, the, yeah, we've got a situation at the moment where it's actually very difficult to actually go out and do whatever you like uh, photographically. It's certainly in the, in the in the UK at the moment, and it's just getting absolutely nuts over here at the moment. Um, so, really, going out and taking pictures is is not a straightforward thing. Um, I'm saying that as an excuse very conveniently. Um, the other the other side to this is uh, I'm I mean my my business is heading far more over towards the design and 3D printing of photographic accessories, and I'm I'm absolutely loving it. And uh, it, it's it's got to be said. I mean, I've always been in love with cameras and gear um as well from a you know it's photography has always been a, a a twofold interest i've always been interested in photography taking pictures and i've also been interested in the equipment that i use um and now i've actually got to a point for the first time in my life where i'm actually able to design and build things that i can think about i mean earlier on we were just chatting about uh, a pretty wacky 
pinhole camera design that uh, I, I I want to make. And if it wasn't for you know, these these newfound skills of the last twelve months, that's all. That's as long as I've been doing it. Um, I would never have been having the conversation about building the pinhole camera. Um, and it, it is something that really interests me. So uh, um, I'm not about to give up photography by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I really really do get a kick out of designing and building things for cameras. Okay, well, I think you just answered the question. Yeah, there's no right or wrong answer well, to it. I wasn't well partially because we can definitely. That's a subject that can definitely be delved into yeah. with yeah. with great depth. It makes him happy at, at a later date. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the important thing. I mean, in the end, the the person you have to please first and foremost is yourself. Be it with what you're building or what you're shooting, right? And, and if you if you're not, then you can't present that to anybody else because it doesn't it doesn't carry. Do you think you might settle? down into you know using your chroma uh, what's it called the, the tango adventure your tango adventure <laughs> so you know, you, you've been adapting things to go on it and building lens boards and to, yeah, but, well, the, uh, well the, are you excited to get out to use it and make some images and go in the dark yes the I, I am I, I really i really am looking forward to going out and I was planning on uh, meeting somebody um, further up in the north of England to take in the chroma with me and also dropping in on, on Steve and borrowing his uh, electronic shutter uh, that he's, uh, that he's developing um, because it, I mean, it, it tops out at 60th of a second. I don't know if he, if he can make that go any quicker than that, but the fact that um, it allows the use of barrel lenses on a conventional camera with a, a shutter speed that's higher than you can stick your hand over the front of the lens um, mm -hmm. is is very yeah. exciting. And secondly, the other good thing about it, you know, in many cases it's a bad thing, but in in the case of in our world, I think it's a good thing that um, the actual shutter system effectively has a two-stop ND filter permanently in there, um, right. which when I'm using a projection lens with a, a maximum of yeah, the smallest it gets is three point six, or sometimes faster. Um, you know, you need you need all the help you can get if you've got too much yeah. light. Yeah. So is that the same? When I went uh, in order to avoid the extortionate postage that Chroma charges on flat rate to send these cameras around, maybe it's not extortionate. I don't know. But anyway, I'm being a tight wad. I I was up in the northwest. <laughs> I was up in the northwest, and I said to Steve, "I'll call into your workshop and pick up my snapshot camera." Well, you know, that was fun and games. Finding this stupid place where he works is was mind-boggling. Then you have to park on double yellow lines. Yeah. Do you know he what just, double yellow lines are, Eric? Yeah. He, didn't think, uh, he didn't think bothered. He did some say... Place, some place you're not allowed to park is what yeah. I'm just going to assume. Yeah. We, I, should, we, I, should be, we should be grateful that he does actually allow free collection. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't charge me for going to collect. But he, he very quickly, and I was worried that I was either my car was going to get keyed or the wheels were going to be stolen because I was, you know, I was... I was in the Wirral, up the Wirral. I was right up the Wirral, I tell you. I was near Port Sunlight. That might be the classy area, but it didn't seem too classy where his workshops were. <laughs> and uh, so I had the car outside, and I was on the WL line, so I was kind of anxious, and he was showing me things. And I, thought, yeah, I said, yeah. And he gave me the camera, and I said, lovely. And I, I should have asked him more questions about it. And then he showed me the, the barrel lens shutter that he's working on, which seemed to be like... Um, like a, an there was nothing sliding up and down. I didn't quite understand how it worked. It seemed to change from Mag opaque magic. Mag magic. It was like it was like a magic. It just That's went right. from dark to clear. It just suddenly cleared. And I yeah, thought, it's, it's, it's like, probably it's like witchcraft. It's probably a, a two blade 
shutter. They're they're pretty. There's an old design no, with like one no, of the first ones. No, it had no, no, Eric, no. no. It's that's it's, it's, it's magic. And okay. he's given it magic. Apparently, he was going to uh, get rid of that design because he's going to do a Kickstarter on this at some point, and he was going to bin that design. But a certain Simon Forster convinced him not to. Is that is that right? Did I pick that up? I, I was rushing yeah. out the door, fighting off all the scallies who are about to. My <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, yeah. I, I, I just asked him, you know, what, what's going on with it, and he sort of mm. dismissed it. And goes, "Always oh, just got too many compromises. It's got two stops so that you lose of light, and it only goes up to sixtieth of a second." And I was saying, "We're large format photographers. Come on, yeah. we 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 do compromises. We love compromise. We take better photos when we when we can't do things." So make it, or at least finish the damn thing off, and I'll go out and oh. test it. And, yes, what well, uh, showed me looked great. I thought, well, exactly. Kickstarter. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I'll test it. I mean, Jesus. I mean, that, I'm dealing with with that stuff all the time. Well, Eric, he does free collection for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, get, I'll be right over. I'll hang um, with the scallies outside of the uh, shop. Right. I just I need to move move this on very quickly as well because I need to say thank we need to say thank you um, to. Um, what happened a week or so ago um, because we had, well, Eric and I had a bit of a get together with a lot of really interesting people. Lovely people. Um, yes. And it, was, and it was the, the large format photography podcast, virtual gathering two. Um, and we had uh, two guest speakers. Uh, we had Joby, um, who was, uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to call you out, Andrew. Andrew is, is, is giving me finger gestures at the moment for some reason. Um, and, um, I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with the introduction I gave as to why Andrew wasn't actually with <laughs> the, uh, the virtual gathering or not. I do not know. Um, but, um, yeah, so we had Joby, uh, doing, um, or otherwise known as Joseph Brunges, uh, doing a, a talk on, uh, false perspective and macro photography with large format. Mm -hmm. And then we had the return of Jim Fitzgerald. Um, who was with us the, uh, the I think the, the pre on the previous show um, and that show is uh, out only on our YouTube channel so uh, so you can see that in in all its all its glory I mean it's got to be said if you if you weren't there then watching something back like that is is not quite the same um, as when you're actually there live so uh, when we do this again please come along because it's just brilliant um, it's just really really yeah. good fun when you're actually there and you can chip in and you can alter the events um, as as they go along, so uh, and, and we'll you. be doing another one. We will. Uh, well, we will have, we're having a, a special Hollywood um, get together soon, aren't we, Eric? Yeah, January second. That's it. Oh, yeah. I, I did know about that. I'd forgotten though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so for the people in the audience, I don't think I've got a hot date that date. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, then we'll we'll introduce you virtually again, and probably this time pipe in some Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this vision of me not being there, and then I thought you might have planned it. I haven't listened to the. I listened to the beginning and thought, oh, I can't watch it. <laughs> Switched off. <laughs> Every time my name was mentioned, I thought you'd throw in a bit of you know pause, cut in a bit of Barry White music. But then I realised Simon wasn't that skillful, so he couldn't possibly do it. No, we should. We should next time. Yeah, yeah. Not with not with video editing. So Eric, Eric um, we have we have seven minutes of this podcast left. <laughs> um, tell tell us about the next extravaganza. Well, um, I don't know what people do or don't know, but uh, for those of you who have caught the 
the podcast, which sucked me into the inviting arms of this wonderful community, um, which isn't incestuous at all, according to Ethan. It's just community. But anyways, um, a couple of years ago, I did a bicycle ride from San Francisco to Tucson with uh, a handmade camera lens and a speed graphic uh, as a documentary piece talking to, to folks, used mostly around the topic of immigration in the United States um, and Adobe, Adobe Create. Uh, came along and shot what ended up becoming a one-hour, a full-length documentary feature on the project. Uh, it hasn't been released publicly. It, it premiered in the San Francisco Independent Documentary Film Festival this year, but it hasn't been put into distribution channels anywhere. Um, so Adobe Create is allowing me to stream it on January 2nd inside the large format photography podcast group. Um, and so I will stream it there and take questions after. And I'm, I'll see if I can sweet talk Dan, who's the director, or some of the crew into coming along too and, and maybe taking some questions afterwards. But um, it'll be the only real place at this point in time you can see it. So it'll be like a super exclusive Facebook Very. Live just for you have to be a group member. How does it, yes. how do you have to sign up well, for it? Or can you just drop in or how um, does it Yeah, work? I'm just going to do, you know, sort of like Ethan's been doing, like with mm. this live, like I'm going to hang out and do things. I'm going to stream it, to stream the movie live to the large format group. But then to be able to ask questions as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll probably more than likely just do it as, uh, well, I think we'll have to figure that out. I can stream it live to the group. We'll get into technical details, but we'll figure it out. Well, maybe we'll do a Zoom call. Or yeah, you've got five minutes left. Don't worry yeah. about it now. So, so we'll figure those details out. But yeah, that's, so that's the next. That's the next group gathering. Yeah, that's 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 going to be good. And I get the feeling we we need to start wrapping up now, don't we? Yeah. Although I would <laughs> like to definitely um, throw out there that like uh, the conversation of of diversity and like how do we get different guests and not just different guests, but people well, of color and, and whatnot is a, is a topic we should definitely yeah. tackle I, I, early next I, year. I was going to, I was going to say, Eric, I, I think that, um, I mean, there were a lot of things that we were planning on saying, plus we never even got to find out really what you've been up to. And, um, so I'm, I'm thinking, and this is only a short show as well. And I think that we probably, our next one where we have a get together will probably be a similar kind of this and we'll do those emails and i think we'll we'll talk about the future of the show in, in a little bit more detail we'll, uh, we've we've run out of time for, uh, to do that now so yeah. uh, so let's uh, let's flesh those ideas out um a, a little bit more more next time um, yeah for sure cool yeah. okay so um a thing that I need to do because I didn't do this last time. And I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. And that's to say thank you to those people that uh, have donated to us. And I think where we're up to is uh, Juan. Um, that was on the 20th of November. Um, and it says a coffee to each of the hosts. Uh, just got my first 10 by 15 centimeter uh, film, which is as close to ultra large format as I've ever been, i.e. not very. Fantastic. Um, then we've got Jeremy North. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Uh, Christopher J. May. Thank you very much, Christopher J. May. And then finally, Dan Pratt. Uh, three coffees, one for Andrew and two for Simon. Oh. Wow. And uh, if it, um, who, if he chooses, may share one of them with the interloper, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's better than saying the Eric Matthews show and those other two or whatever we had last time. 
<laughs> the interloper, the American invader. And uh, it says, uh, th- th- thank you, Andrew, for not making any comments about my surname. <laughs> That'll be Dan Pratt. There's always time, Dan. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, uh, well, yeah. well, well, well done. You've, uh, you've, you've stayed with that. Um, okay. So, Andrew, um, have you got any shout outs? No. Eric, shout outs. Um, well, shout out to the, the two of you and to our community. This has been a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if this is technically our, our wrap up, our last one of the year, it's been, you know, a great, a, a, a great bonus to what has otherwise been a really weird year a good this has been a good weird bonus to an otherwise bad weird year yeah and we've done yeah. more we've done more shows this year than we've ever done before which we have only ever promised to do 20 shows in a year and we blasted through that largely because of you eric making us make more shows um <laughs> i'm we just were, back behind there just simon back. were hunkering down I, we were both in our own little christmas bubbles <laughs> yeah where yeah. i was kind of ignoring the world getting ready to just wait for the Hibernate. new year and suddenly yeah. there you are like some mad keen Easter bunny hopping up and down saying, make another show, make another show. Yeah. So, yeah. And although we, we never actually managed to do that literal gathering in the forest as we planned, we, we, we have done two virtual gatherings, which is, which have both been fantastic and they will continue uh, next year. We'll do a gathering in the forest. So whether it'll be, whether, whether things will moved on enough in the UK with um, vaccines, I don't know next year, but maybe it's a 2022 thing, you know, the new, do the new forest gathering. Like we planned, Simon. Uh, Forrester Dean. Forrester Dean. All right. Uh, and there as well. Yeah. One of those forests. It made it sound like the nude forest. Uh, rather the nude, nude forest. forest. Yeah. <laughs> Forrester yeah. Dean. Sorry. Yes. Yes. That's it. So, uh, okay. So, uh, and actually, I'll go to Eric. Eric, outside of this podcast, how can people keep up with the wonderful things that you do? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I haven't said they've been posting that much. We can always, Instagram is probably the best place. E-R-I-K-H-M-A-T-H-Y. Excellent. And Andrew, how about yourself? Yeah, Instagram, uh, tw- Twitter as Warboy Snapper, and then in the in the large format photography podcast Facebook group where I admit and deny entry. And and if uh, if somebody wants to have an email read out on the show, what's the best way of uh, for them to do that? Andrew, um, they should send an email to Simon, who, no, and Eric no. will read it out <laughs> at. And they should send an email to. Um, <laughs> large format photography podcast at gmail.com. That's the one. That's the one. Well done. Yeah, I just want to put and, that in. It should say there, shouldn't it? The large yeah, format, sort, sort it of. Um, large format photography podcast at gmail.com. That's it. And uh, we have a YouTube channel as well, don't we, Andrew? Do we? Yes, we do because yes. that's 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 where you watched uh, the ALFPP oh, yeah. gathering. Okay. Right. So um, if you just l- search for large format photography I'll podcast, it. I'll it. yeah, there you go. Um, but I was I was talking to our listeners. Oh, right. um, okay. yeah. <laughs> so yes, that's what you can do. And something else. Oh yeah, and we have a we have a, we have a half arsed uh, Instagram account as well. So uh, do do follows on there because okay. things do get put on there. Um, and one day we might be less half arsed about it. I don't know. I keep, and our friend yeah. Colin does a sterling job with the Flickr site too. Yeah, we we we've we've done with Colin now. It's Colin. We've we've definitely gone with Colin now. Are we? Are we yeah. up, are we so you 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 weren't uh, see that you weren't on the LFP gathering, were you? Uh-huh. So yeah. Did you address the whole Colin Colin issue? Yes. Well, to rest. Yes. Mm. It's it's, it's Sorry, Colin. Colin. 
colon. He laid his he laid his colon to rest, and it's now colon. Yes. Um, and for me, I'm on Twitter as Simon4. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster, Simon Forster Photographic, uh, which is the same name as my website, simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, where you can buy lots of lens caps and things like that. Um, and I keep promising that I'll be doing stuff with large format, and eventually I will. Um, that's just about it. Our music is by Kevin McLeod, and it's called Two Finger Johnny, and everybody loves it. Um, and that's it so we will be back in the new year um, it's been great uh, to have you with us it's been great to have uh, Eric join us um, and really looking forward to what has to be a better year next year it's got to be it's so, it will be yeah. I have faith so with that I uh, hope you enjoy the show and we'll be back next time goodbye Merry Christmas bye and happy new year